Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues his series in the Gospel of Matthew with this sermon entitled, The Salt of the Earth, preached on July 15, 1995. Now, if you have your Bible, please turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew five thirteen through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Some people think that in order to attract the world to Jesus Christ, we must live a life that is like theirs. We must listen to music like the music they listen. We must do a little bit of carousing, a little bit of reveling. So people think that if we can be like them, then we can attract them to Jesus Christ. That is a false notion. It is by being different from the world, the world will be attracted to church. So Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. In the Greek, it means you and you alone are the salt of the earth. The earth is petrifying like meat. A Christian is like salt, like antiseptic, preserving the world from unspeakable foulness. A Christian is different from the world. If a Christian tries to be like the world, he becomes useless and worthless to God and to the world. Not only that, salt is flavorful. Let me tell you this. A world without Christians is insipid, flavorless. No matter what they do in terms of partying and making life to be spicy. The truth is, without Christianity, life in the world is totally insipid. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Again, you alone are the light of the world. This means the world is darkness in spite of its claim to knowledge of many things. The world does not know true meaning of life. It knows something about how to make a better mousetrap, how to make more money, how to heal some bodily diseases, but it has no knowledge of important issues how to have peace of mind, how to get along with one's spouse, neighbor, children, how to have peaceful international relations, how to be saved and to have peace with God. The world, the Bible says, in its wisdom did not know God. Only a Christian can counsel the world with regard to spiritual things. Even a simple, ordinary Christian is light of the world. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. Christians are in relationship 
To him, therefore, they and they alone are the light of the world. As light, a Christian exposes the darkness of the world. It's moral darkness, it's spiritual darkness. A Christian exposes the sin of the world as Christ shed light upon the wickedness of this world when he lived on this earth. As light, a Christian explains the cause of this world's darkness. The cause is sin. Man is born a sinner. He chooses and practices sin. Sin is transgression against God's holy law. Sin is against God himself. As light, a Christian also explains the way to get out of the darkness of the world. He witnesses to Jesus Christ by his life and by his words. Only Jesus Christ is able to save a sinner from his sins. Only Jesus Christ can give divine nature to Christians. Only through Jesus Christ can a sinner be born again. Only through Jesus Christ a sinner can be reconciled to God. Only through Jesus Christ a sinner can be justified and receive complete forgiveness of all his sins. Only through Jesus Christ a sinner who is darkness can become the light of the world. St. Peter says in, in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. As salt, we must always have saltiness to be useful to the world and God. As light, we must not cover ourselves with the bushel of worldliness, but always expose darkness and explain moral darkness and the way of salvation in order that we may be useful to God and to the world. No sinner can be saved without him seeing the life of a Christian. God loves the world and placed the church in the world that hopeless and miserable sinners may be enlightened and become light for the glory of God. All of us became Christians through the life of other Christians in the world. So the purpose of Christian's life, what is the purpose of Christian's life? Let me tell you, the purpose of Christian life is to glorify God, to please God and not to please ourselves. Pleasing God, how? By knowing and doing God's will alone, as revealed in the Holy Scriptures. That is to be salt. That is to be light. Like a son or daughter honors father and mother by knowing and doing parents' will, we must know and do the will of our God, and thus we please him. In the book of John, we read about the life of Jesus, who was the light of the world. And John 8 and verse 29, we read this. The one who sent me is with me. He was speaking about 
God the Father. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Notice, always. And notice that he pleased God always. In John chapter 4 and verse 34, we read what Jesus said concerning his life in the world. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. This means Christian life in the world is to know and do the will of God. But not only that, such a life is a life of pleasure. It's a life of joy. It's a life of true satisfaction. It is like eating food and be satisfied. In the 17th chapter, Jesus Christ made this point more clear. And in verse 4, we read, I have brought you glory, or I have glorified you, I have honored you on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. God the Father gave the Lord Jesus Christ a work to do. The Father disclosed to him his will, and the passion of Jesus Christ was to finish that work he was given to do. So on the cross, John 19 and verse 30, on the cross, Jesus said this, it is finished. What is finished? The will of God for his life. He followed it with all his heart and mind, soul, and strength, and he finished it by accomplishing redemption for sinners on the cross, which was the will of God the Father. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31, Paul instructs us as Christians how to live. He says, so whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, the totality of our life, whatever you do, nothing excluded, the entirety of Christian life, we must live in a certain way. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Now, how do we do it? We want to know the will of God as we search the Holy Scriptures and we single-mindedly, passionately, with all our zeal and power and strength and love, we do that will of God. In Colossians 3 and verse 17, we read, and whatever you do, the totality of our life in the world, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. In other words, by his authority, by his revelation, by his revealed will, and giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now the question is, if you want to be salt of the earth, and if you want to be the light of the world, then we must be different from the world, and we must do the will of our God. We must do all things by the authority of Jesus Christ, and we must be able, finally, to give thanks to God for living. In 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 1, let's turn to it, uh, Paul tells us that, that he instructed the Christians of Thessalonica 
in certain things. He says, finally, brothers, we instructed you the goal, the purpose of apostolic instruction. What is it? How to live in order to please God. That is the, the sum, the essence of the apostolic instruction. And that is the essence of teaching, Christian teaching. We are to teach you how to do what? To please yourselves? Oh, no. How to make you happy? No. How to please God. That is the goal of apostolic instruction. And let's look at the basis. Why is it that we shouldn't do our own thing, but we must do the things of God? In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 20, we are given the reason. And what is this? It says, you are not your own. You are not your own. Satan comes and tells you, uh, it's your life, it's your body. This is your life, man. Have fun, enjoy yourself. No, 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 no. A Christian is not his own. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Let's look at that price. The price was the blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, here is the instruction, the dominical instruction. And what is the instruction? Honor God with your body. We are sons and daughters of God. We are friends of God, but we are also slaves of God. We belong to Christ, our master, who accomplished our redemption on the cross by paying the price of his own blood as he propitiated the wrath of God that was against us. So we honor him by doing his will. In Ephesians 2.10, we are given another basis for this life of a salt and this life of a son uh, of light. For we are God's workmanship. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. In other words, we have been recreated. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And what are good works? Works of obedience to God's will. That they are good works. We were known to do evil works. But now we have been recreated. Regenerated. Now we have been given new life. And we are given a new purpose for our new life. And what is that new purpose? That we may do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, we gave a lecture before called antinomianism. Now, antinomianism is a negation of redemption. Antinomianism is a negation of this recreative activity of God in our life. Because antinomianism has no good works. Isn't that true? But only when we obey God, we become salt of the earth and we become light of the world. We please God in every sphere of our life. I want you to know that. There is no part, not even an iota, an infinitesimally small part of our life is excluded from uh, this life of honoring God. Every sphere of our life, 
must be lived out for the glory of God. Remember, we became Christians by saying two words in Greek, Jesus, kurios, Jesus is Lord. And this means all of our life must be lived out in terms of this confession, Jesus Christ is Lord. Look at the family life. As we live in the neighborhoods, wherever we live, surrounded by pagans, we must live as salt of the earth and as light of the world in terms of our family. This means a husband must love his wife. Isn't that true? As Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, a husband should not be seeking to please himself. He must live his life to please first of all God and his neighbor, which in this case is his spouse. And a wife, if he, she is a Christian, she also confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord. And the Bible says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. Everything is based on that confession that Jesus Christ is Lord. In other words, in the family, there are not seven wills <laughs> and seven authorities and seven purposes. If they have seven people in the family, there is only one will. What is that? It is the will of God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. There is only one authority. It's the authority of God. It is, there is only one purpose, which is the purpose of God for the church to be salty to be light to the world, that means we honor God and glorify God. And if you are parents, you are to love the children. Yes, we, that goes without saying, even though today parents kill their own children and throw them out into the garbage uh, dump. Uh, that is sad, isn't it? But that is what world is. World is darkness, world is wickedness. As Christian parents, we should not provoke our children to wrath. We must instruct them in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And if you are children, then you are to obey your parents in everything, we are told. And let's look at the work life. We are working for corporations, for various companies in the world. But we must work not only to honor our bosses, but we have a higher purpose. And what is that? To honor our God, our Lord who saved us. So we work us unto the Lord. We therefore honor God in our work as well as we honor our employer. We work so that the employer may get some profit by our work. And we work without murmuring, without complaint, and we should not be lazy. We must work hard. And we must be different in the workplace from the unbelievers. We must be salt there and be light there. And if you are an employer, then you must understand. You must employ. You must do the work of your corporation in order to please your master who is Lord. And you must pay just wages for those who are working for you. And if you are living in the world, then you are also living under certain government. What do we do? Well, the Bible says you must submit to the authority that is the government because 
the government is instituted by God for our good. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 13 where St. Peter says this. And here it is, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake. See, everything is based on your confession that Jesus Christ is Lord. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men. So, in Romans 13 and 1 Peter chapter 2 and in other places, we are instructed to be salt and light with reference to our relationship with the government. And what about church life? Well, church life also, there is only one authority, there is one purpose, and there is uh, one will. And we are told the head of the church is the Lord Jesus Christ. This means we must love one another in the Lord, we must submit one to another in the Lord, and it also says we must obey our leaders. Let's look at the book of Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17, and we read this, obey your leaders, that is leaders of the church, here it is, not leaders of the government, and submit to their authority, they keep watch over you as men who must give an account, obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to, uh, to you. In other words, brothers and sisters, we must live in the world a godly life. What is godly life? Let me tell you in a simple manner. It is God-conscious life. It is God-conscious thought, God-conscious word, and God-conscious deed always in our Christian life. That's godliness. So we must live in the world with faith. Hope and love. Faith means we always trust, not in ourselves, not in the world, but in our Lord Jesus Christ. We must always believe God's word. And we must always love. Love means love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and our neighbors as ourselves, including our enemies. And we must hope. Hope is what? Not in the temporal world. We hope the return of Jesus Christ. We hope the eternal life that Jesus Christ will give it to us. And when we live this Christian life in the world, let me tell you, two things are going to happen. On the one hand, the world will persecute you. But on the other hand, some who are chosen from the foundation of the world will come to know Jesus Christ through you and will glorify our Heavenly Father. Let me say this in conclusion. There was an Athenian philosopher, Aristides, who wrote this particular thing to Hadrian, who was not a Christian. He wrote this about Christians to Hadrian. And let me read to you what he said. They do not commit adultery or immorality. They do not bear false witness or embezzle. Nor do they covet what is not theirs. They honor father and mother and do good to those who are their neighbors. Whenever they are judges, they judge uprightly. They do not worship idols made in the image of man. Whatever they do, not wish that others should do to them, they in turn do not do. And they do not eat the food sacrificed to idols. Those who oppress them, they exhort and make them their friends. They do good to their enemies. Their wives, O king, are pure as virgins. And their daughters are modest. Their men abstain from all unlawful sexual contact and from impurity. 
in the hope of recompense that is to come in another world. They love one another. The widow's needs are not ignored, and they rescue the orphan from the person who does him violence. He who has gives to him who has not ungrudgingly and without boasting. When the Christians find a stranger, they bring him to their homes and rejoice over him as a true brother. They do not call brothers those who are bound by blood ties alone, but those who are brethren after the Spirit and in God. When one of their poor passes away from the world, each provides for his burial according to his ability. If they hear of any of their number who are imprisoned or oppressed for the name of the Messiah, they all provide for his needs. And if it is possible to redeem him, they set him free. If they find poverty in their midst and they do not have spare food, they fast two or three days in order that, that the needy might be supplied with the necessities. That is to live like salt and to live as light. Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us to live in this world as salt and light a life of holiness, a life that is different from the world, that the world may be attracted to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Grace Valley Christian Center is committed to the unchanging truths of the Holy Scriptures. We have been proclaiming the whole counsel of God since 1974 through our weekly worship services, our website resources, and our publishing ministry. For more information about our church, to find more edifying sermons, or to order books by the Rev. P.G. Matthew, please visit our website at gracevalley.org.